Matthew 6.19 through 34. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? In which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or... What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We're going to begin today with some exposition on this passage by one of Peter Ganella's favorite theologians. And to that end, I am so disappointed that Peter Ganella is not here today. So you'll have to tell him that I shared a little bit from one of his favorite theologians, which will give us some context for the teaching of Jesus' um, Jesus' words here. So, Samuel, if you could play the video. Thank you. 
right after Martin Luther. Bob Dylan is his favorite theologian. You have to serve somebody. You have to serve somebody. And in Jesus' words here, it may be money or it may be the Lord. But you are going to have to serve somebody. And friends, you can only serve one master. So who will it be? And really the question is, what's going to master you? You know, we talk about mastering things. We say that he mastered his fears. Or she mastered that difficult skill. Or they mastered the challenge before them. In the context of a, of a master-slave relationship, the master overcomes the slave's independence and controls the slave. So to master something is to overcome it, is to control it. And Jesus is warning us about the danger that we might be mastered, that we might be overcome, that we might be controlled by anything other than Him. Because you've got to serve somebody. It may be money, it may be the Lord, but you can only serve one Master. And who will it be? Now remember last week, Jesus was teaching us about our private devotion. He said in the passage previous to this one, he said, don't just virtue signal, practicing your devotion in front of an audience of others. Rather, seek to become virtuous by practicing your devotion for an audience of one. And today we hear Jesus reminding his hearers that God isn't just concerned with your private religious devotion, what you do unseen. He's concerned with your public devotion as well. Because last week, we were talking about what's largely private. Prayer, almsgiving, fasting. Those things are often done in secret. But in today's passage, he moves into the public realm and he talks about our public devotion. How do we handle money, possessions, food, drinks, clothing, ambition? Jesus challenges his followers saying, by whom will you be mastered? Because you've got to serve somebody. And when Jesus talks about treasure in verses 19 through 21, he's asking you and me, what do you treasure? What do you treasure? What masters your heart and your attention? What do you seek after? For what are you living? What satisfies you? What is in your vision? You know, that's why we heard Dick read for us Jesus' words and those words right there in verses 22 and 23 about light, eyes and bringing light to the bar, body in darkness almost seems out of place because he's talking about money and treasure, all of a sudden light and darkness and back to money and treasure. But what he's saying is that, friends, what are you looking to for meaning, for purpose, for satisfaction? What are you looking to? What treasure are you gazing at that you think is going to fill and satisfy you? Because the thing that consumes your vision is either going to fill you with light or darkness. So it is that we sang this morning, You are my vision, O King of my heart. Nothing else satisfies only you, Lord. You're my vision. I'm looking to you to fill me with light and life. I'm looking to you to satisfy me. Nothing else satisfies. There's no other vision that gives light. There's no other vision that gives life. Friends, what masters your vision? What is the treasure to which you are looking? What is the treasure after which you are seeking? Jesus says in verse 21, where your treasure is, your heart will 
be also. Because, friends, your treasure directs your life. Your heart is turned towards that which you think is most valuable. Your concern is focused on that which you think is your treasure. Your ambition is shaped by your treasure. Now, this morning I was, I was helping Leah. She puts together the clipboards that are in the back for the children to do and to color during, uh, during the service. Well, the, the children and the distractible adults to color during the service. I'm looking at you, Dave. Um, so, one of the pictures that she prints, had me print out for the clipboard is right here on the screen. And you'll notice it's a treasure map with the words of Jesus. For where your treasure is, your heart will be. And I was struck by the image because of how accurate it is. Because, think about it, where a pirate believes his treasure is buried, that's where his attention is going to be. That's where he's going to travel to. That's where he's going to focus his efforts. Where he believes his treasure is, all of his focus is going to be. And church, it's the same for you and for me. Where we think our treasure is, that's where our focus will be. What has mastered you? What has mastered you? Because there can only be one treasure. There can only be one treasure. And when Jesus talks about serving only one master in verse 24, you need to understand he's talking in the context of the master-slave relationship. Because today we might read Jesus' words and go, well, I can serve two masters. I mean, I can work for two companies. I can have my day job and then hustle on the side. You know, I can teach during the week and waitress on the weekends. I can do construction in the mornings and I can drive for Uber at night. But friends, in a master-slave relationship context, no master is going to share the allegiance of his servant with another person. Jesus says there can be only one. You can only serve one. You've got to serve somebody. You're going to be mastered by something and you can only have one ultimate treasure. And what is it going to be? And he ends verse 24 saying, you can't serve both God and money. And so the question is, what treasure is going to master you? Now understand, when Jesus talks here about money, what he's talking about is he's talking about the stuff of earth. He's talking about the stuff of earth, the wealth of this world, the things that are passing and temporary. And friends, the Bible has a lot to say about money. Money is mentioned around 140 times in the Bible. But if we, we include words like gold and silver and wealth and riches and inheritance and debt and poverty and other related topics, then we find that money and possessions are discussed more than any other topic in the Scriptures. In fact, financial matters are mentioned more often than prayer, healing, or mercy. In the Old Testament, the Torah and the prophets address money issues frequently and the wisdom of Proverbs has so much to say about our handling of wealth and money and possessions. In fact, friends, if we look at just Jesus' teaching, money was one of Jesus' most frequently talked about topics. Why does the Bible have so much to say to us about money? Because, friends, money wants to master us. Money wants to master us. So the Bible is warning us. Now understand, for everything that the Bible tells us about money, the Bible never actually says that money itself is evil. 
Rather, we find uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, which is often misquoted. It actually says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And it's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So it doesn't say money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money. The craving for money. Friends, the danger is not money itself. The danger is if we become mastered by money. English statesman Francis Bacon once wrote, Money is a great servant, but a bad master. And friends, money is a great servant. Understand that God is not anti-money, but it needs to have its proper place. It's a great servant, but a terrible, terrible master. In fact, the Proverbs regularly speak glowingly of money and of wealth. For example, Proverbs 14.24 says, The crown of the wise is their wealth, but the folly of fools brings folly. So in other words, the consequence, the crown of wisdom, is the accumulation of wealth often. Proverbs 3.22 celebrates that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. In other words, a good person is celebrated here for earning enough wealth to leave not only an inheritance to his children, but to his grandchildren as well. Friends, the Bible repeatedly celebrates money is a great servant, but a terrible master. So church, understand, poverty is not somehow more spiritual than wealth. The danger that the Bible warns us of is not possessing money. The danger it warns us of is being possessed by money. And friends, that can happen whether you have a lot of money or a little bit of money. Whether you have a lot or a little, you can be possessed by money rather than possessing it. Rather than the money serving you, you can serve the money. In fact, sometimes those with just little money are more controlled by the pursuit of money than those who have much. Friends, the danger that Scripture repeatedly warns us of and that Jesus is warning us of here today is that money wants to become your master. And you've got to serve somebody. So Jesus warns us, don't be mastered by that which is meant to serve. Friends, don't become a servant to that which is meant to serve us. And friends, this warning is much needed because money has really mastered our culture. And this isn't new. This has been since the beginning of time. In fact, if we look back, I found funny. In 1871, American author Mark Twain wrote a revised catechism. And this is what he said. What is the chief end of man? To get rich. In what way? Just honestly if we can. Honestly if we must. Who is God, the one and only and true? Money is God. God and greenbacks and stock, Father and Son and the ghost of the same, the three persons in one, these are the true and only God, mighty and supreme. Friends, this is the implicit and often explicit catechism of this world. It's the teaching of this world. But Jesus challenges that. He challenges the world's teaching. He challenges the world's values, giving us a different answer. Instead, if we were to look at something like the Westminster Catechism, it also asks, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God. 
and enjoy Him forever. Church, our chief end, our purpose is not found in accumulating the stuff of this world. It's not entrusting those things for our security. The chief end of humanity is to glorify God and to use the things of this earth to use our money and our wealth and possessions to serve Him and His kingdom. Because money makes a great servant, but a terrible master. Money and all that passes through our hands, it's not the ends of life, church. It's the means of life. We should not serve or worry after these things. These things should be used to serve God's kingdom and His purposes. So Jesus is warning us, His disciples, that money is not content to remain our servant. Money wants to master us. Money wants to become our God. And He says, but there can be only one God. You've got to serve somebody. And there can be only one master. So who is it going to be? And I want you to understand, church, when Jesus talks in this passage and He teaches about laying up treasures in heaven, He's not saying we should, like, exchange earthly gold for some kind of heavenly gold. You know, sort of like you have to give up your, your secular version to get a Christian version. You know, the one with the Bible verse written on it. No, He's not saying exchange earthly gold for heavenly gold. Friends, the treasure that we have is Christ Himself. Christ is our treasure. We sang this morning, I don't want riches or man's empty praise because you, you're my inheritance now and always. You and you only are first in my heart. High King of Heaven, my treasure you are. So when Jesus is discussing treasure, He's asking, what's first in your heart? What is first in your heart? What's first in your heart? He's asking, what is first? Because Christ wants to be your treasure. He wants us to treasure Him above all other things and above the things of this world. What is your treasure? Christ is our treasure. As we sang also this morning, Mine are keys to Zion City, where beside the King I walk, because there in heaven my heart has found its treasure. Christ. Christ is mine forevermore. Friends, Christ wants to be our treasure. He wants to displace all of those other things after which we long and seek and try to live. He wants to be our vision because only He can satisfy. Those other things cannot satisfy. They will leave us empty. He says, only I can satisfy. I want to be your treasure. And friends, if Christ becomes our treasure more than that, it gives us a security. Because if Christ is our treasure, then even if we lose all the earthly things we have, we still have Christ. And that means we're not diminished. You know, this is what the Apostle Paul celebrated in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. Paul writes, Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Paul is saying that his contentment is not dependent upon external circumstances. He says, I could have plenty or I could be hungry. 
I could have abundance or I could have need because the follower of Jesus is not mastered or controlled by such things because the follower of Jesus is mastered, controlled by the presence of Jesus with him. And by him he has all he needs. The author of Hebrews wrote in chapter 13, verse 5, he said, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For the Lord has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, you've probably heard the old adage that says, I heard money talk once. It said goodbye. Friends, Jesus won't say goodbye. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Christ is a treasure that moth and rust cannot destroy and that thieves cannot break in and steal. Christ gives us contentment. He gives us satisfaction. And He gives us security because He can't be taken from us. He won't be taken from us. Though our earthly treasures, they may come and go. Christ is ours. And we're invited to treasure Him above all things. And that's the invitation that Christ extends in the the next part in verses 25 through 34. He begins in verse 25 with the word, therefore. And friends, always pay pay attention to the connecting word. Therefore means, in light of everything I've just been teaching you, this is what follows. Therefore. And so he says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you'll eat, what you'll drink, or about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing? Now, while it sounds like Jesus just got done watching The Lion King, and now he's singing along with Pumbaa and Timon, Hakuna Matata, no worries for the rest of our days. Jesus isn't just dispensing some pop culture wisdom here. When we correctly understand him, Jesus is not calling us to some mantra of irresponsibility, like that song is. Jesus is not just singing Bobby McFerrin's Don't Worry, Be Happy. Jesus is saying, who masters you? You see, Jesus laid out for us, we've heard him just lay out a series of alternatives. Your treasure, is it in heaven or on earth? Your vision, is it light or darkness? Your master, is it God or money? You can only choose one. Because you can't have two masters, so where is your treasure? And now he's teaching, he's assuming for us the correct answer. He's saying, once you've chosen wisely, once you've chosen your treasure in heaven, light for your eyes, once you've chosen me as your treasure, therefore, you don't need to be anxious about this life and about the things of this world. Now understand, Jesus isn't telling us to be unconcerned about these things. He's warning us about becoming overly concerned about these things. He's guiding us, church, into a right concern and a right relationship with the things of earth. Remember that earlier in this same chapter, just a couple weeks ago, Jesus taught us, his disciples, how to pray. And he said, give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread. That's a right and a healthy concern. Pray for your daily bread. But three times Jesus warns us, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about tomorrow, about the food, about the drink, about the clothing. Don't be concerned about them, but don't be mastered by your fear. Rather, seek today your daily bread. Because, church, we are inherently as humans, we are seekers. 
We are seekers intrinsically. We generally don't just drift through this life. I mean, again, like the pirate treasure map we saw earlier, and that Dave is over there coloring. Good job, Dave. It's awesome. You know, we spend our time seeking something. We're treasuring something. We're mastered by the pursuit of something. Jesus says in verse 32, For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. The Gentiles, they seek after these things. Jesus is saying, what are you seeking after? Who do you serve? What's your vision? Where is your treasure? And rather than seeking after all these things that the world is chasing after, he says in verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. You know, in his magnificent book, Mere Christianity, which if you haven't read it, that's a, I recommend it to you, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. He summarized this teaching by saying, aim at heaven and you get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you get neither. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be thrown in as well. All these things will be added to you. What do you seek? What consumes your mind and your attention? What has mastered you? Now, we heard Jesus illustrate this point, and he wanted to flesh it out for them in verses 26 through 30. And so he gave his followers to talk about the birds and the bees. Not that one. Not that, that birds and bees talk. He said, you know, gosh, you are a hard audience today. I don't know. I'm not getting any reaction. It's hot. Is that it? Okay. It's not my joke. It's the audience. Okay, good. Thank you. In verse 26, Jesus says, look at the birds. Look at the birds. Aren't they well fed? In verse 28, he says, hear the bees buzzing in the wildflowers. Aren't those flowers clothed beautifully? If God provides for the birds, and he provides for the flowers, if he provides for the lesser things, can you trust what he provides for you? Even if it's not exactly what you asked for, even if it's not exactly what you wanted, can you trust His provision, as do the birds and the flowers? Now, the birds work for their food, but they don't worry about their food. And He says, so it should be with you. Jesus is calling us not to be unconcerned about these things, but not to become overly concerned. He's calling us to be rightly concerned in right relationship with the things of this earth. For ultimately, our security is not going to come from the things of this earth, but from Christ. Our treasure is not in these things. Our treasure is in Christ. And church, you can only serve one master. So serve Christ. Seek first His kingdom. Trust for your daily bread from the Lord. Your security is in Him, not in these things. And in fact, church, when we worry about these things, when we fret about tomorrow, we'll grasp at those things, we'll try to hoard those things, we'll be tempted to chase after those things, we'll quickly become mastered by those things. As theologian Joseph Stowell said, the real point of materialism is not what we hold, it's how tightly we hold it. Friends, it's not what you hold, it's how tightly you hold it. How tightly are you holding to the things of this world? Do you fear losing them? Are they your security? Are they your treasure? Are you becoming mastered by them? Jesus says, hold loosely 
to the things of this world. Don't seek to find security in them. Don't trust them and treasure them. Don't be mastered for, by them because you can only serve one true master. It's okay to be rightly concerned about things, but don't give them a status that they should not have in your life. Because friends, the most deceptive part about our worry when we worry about these things is that we're actually powerless to control most of them. That's the point of Jesus' question in verse 27. He says, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? Some translations say, Who of you, by worrying, can add a cubit to his height? The point either way is, worry can't change anything. Friends, when we worry, we live in the future, but we're powerless to change that future. Friends, we can change the present for the hope of a better future, but you can't change or control the future. And if you worry about the future, you're imprisoned in the future. And too often when we're imprisoned in the future by worry, we neglect the present. Mastered by worry, we become trapped there. And it prevents us from seeking first His kingdom today. So Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow. Serve me today and trust me for tomorrow. And again, verse 34, he uses that connecting word, therefore. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Church, we can only live in today. Do not live in the regrets of yesterday. And you cannot live in the worries of tomorrow. You can only live in today. In fact, Christian author Corey Tenboom wrote, Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. It empties today of its strength. Our worries don't guarantee us a better tomorrow, but they do guarantee us a more miserable today. So trust today the great faithfulness of God, who, as the hymn says, gives us strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Don't be mastered by worrying after the things of this earth. They're not your treasure. You can't find security in them or satisfaction or purpose. You've got to serve somebody and you can only serve one master. So seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added after you. Seek Him today. Trust Him for tomorrow. For great is His faithfulness. So church, what threatens to master you? What concerns threaten to master you? Where are you looking for your security? Where, what are you seeking? What are you living for? Where's your treasure? Where's your treasure? Because you've got to serve somebody. So who will it be? Father, help us. Help us to see and to know Christ is our treasure. The treasure that replaces all other treasures. The treasure that is secure. That moth and rust do not destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal. The only treasure that truly satisfies. Father, give us a vision of Christ as our treasure. May He become 
our treasure. And may that push out the fear of losing the things of this earth. And Father, may that help us give up our worries for tomorrow. That today, today we might seek you first. Seek first your kingdom and your glory. May Christ be our treasure now and forevermore. Amen.